Welcome to Triple Threat, the podcast with Jamel President, where it's good news and good vibes all the time, baby. When we left Portugal to come play with you and your system, Jamel, it was the best thing for Shane because you, you, you pushed him to do other things outside his box. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Jamel President and on Twitter at President Jamel. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast as I'll be bringing you a new interview every month. Hey, what's up, guys? Coming up next, we got Travis Smith, a local talent from Portugal, uh, went to Mercer University uh, for a collegiate career. And in our conversation, we talked about just the trials and tribulations of uh, being in a different part of, uh, I'll say, a culture, right? Coming from um, public school settings um, and then playing in the Skeezer League, that transition, and then how that um, has affected him and uh, those things he learned and applied to the real, um, to his current life now. Also, we got a great organization, the 2020 League, that he does for local youth. So uh, let's, uh, let's get into the interview. Um, starting off, man, tell us a little bit about, you know, when you start putting this, this thing in your hands, like, you know, elementary school, you know, what was the trigger and um, how, how it kind of um, all started? Well, for me, Growing up in Charleston, uh, most of my family's on James Island, both sides, my mom and my dad's family. I was, uh, out of my cousins, I was one of the youngest boys. Right. And so I got roughed up and sports was an everyday thing. You know, my sure. brother's four years older than me. And so I always hung out with his friends and my older cousins. And we'll go from playing football to playing basketball to playing taps to playing football again and then playing baseball all in one day. Sure. You know, so, so, I mean, I was, sports was always the outlet. Um, and then I really started taking it serious uh, basketball when I was in middle school, all the way up until that point, until about eighth grade, I was just obsessed with football. I just wanted to play football. I wanted to hit people. I wanted to score touchdowns. That was right. my whole thinking. Right. And so um, with that mindset, I kind of carried down on basketball court. And like I said, playing with the older fellas, I took on that, uh, that edge is just trying to be a bully and lock people up. And then once I started working with Coach JP over at Portugal, he fixed my shot and um, taught me some things that could that could propel me of how to think the game and not just just uh, run around with no plan. For sure. And so um, once I really started learning how to play basketball the right way and what to look for and how to be effective on a game by game basis on purpose and not just off of just pure hustle alone. Right. Um, a lot of a lot of stuff opened up for me, man. And colleges started started uh, recruiting me and just before, a lot of different things. Before we get into that, talk about the middle school, the intermediate years, because, you know, a lot of audience need to hear what what are some of the leagues you played in? And, you know, what were some of your big yeah. influences during that time? Because, you know, yeah, high school came about, but it still had to been, you know, energy you know, that behind energy to help you know, you, you, you pushed through high school. So take us back to that, those intermediate years. What, uh, was it recreation? Was it clubs? What, what, 
what's what's going on with that? Yeah, so I had a lot of good people in my in my life along the way. Um, one of my first coaches was Richard Davis over at Trademark Properties on James Island Rec. And so he kind of took me, took me along and had me playing with um James Island B team when I was in elementary school. Okay. Um, but I think the main place that I give credit to, and I think most people in my generation do is uh is midnight basketball in Mall Park, man. Like sure. I think a lot of us got our edge from from that. You know, we kind of the best, the best kids in the area will kind of come through and yourself and Anthony Johnson and um, Coach Grant at College of Charleston and Ken Locke and um, I'm blanking on blanking on my man name that used to be at Burke and played at South Carolina. Melvin um, Watson. Melvin Watson and it was just like we we as youngsters fed off of y'all and just hearing stories of y'all and what y'all have done and how y'all were able to lead Charleston. What y'all did in Charleston and then be able to play at the college level. We just y'all was everything to us. Sure. You know, and so um shooting our eyes, Mall Park when we were playing midnight basketball was was Madison Square Garden. And so um with that, my dad was a referee and so I was around a whole lot of basketball on a daily basis and just got to see some of the best in the area. And um that just built my love for the game and once I got into middle school, like I said, I was I was still leaning towards football, but just being so entrenched in Charleston basketball and just getting that identity of how Charleston basketball is played and how the dudes look, how they move, how they how they act on the court. For sure. I just came became obsessed with it, man. And I think um even now to this day, that middle school age is is most of the kids that I look for because that's the most that's the age where kids start to figure stuff out. Right. And that's the age where you can get in a lot of trouble or you can start kind of kind of shaping your life and figuring out, okay, this is my lane right here. This is what that's I like it. to do. And you kind of build your fan group around that. For sure. And, um, so that was that was pretty much my my elementary school and middle school years. Just just learning from a lot of good people and seeing a lot of good basketball and and um understanding what it meant, how 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 what it meant to play hard and and how how Charleston ball is played because we all kind of got it, that same identity of toughness and, and defense and we right. carry that. We want to lock somebody up. So for sure. And yeah, I want to give uh give big ups to your dad, man. Cause you know, he was always was a you know a solid uh icon in the community, you know, nice guy, always, you know, talking to you, always smiling. So, you know what I mean? Uh, and, and that support goes a long way. And you can tell the love he had for his kids. You know what I'm saying, as well as community. So <clears throat> big up to um to your dad for that. Um, so you know, when you know you started playing in middle school and 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 so every kid wants to play in high school. Um, was was Portugal your 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 beeline, you know, approach and, and why was that? Were there any pioneers pr- prior to that that played before you that you look up to that played for Portugal? Well, honestly, man, I was I was a kid, so like I said I grew up on James Island and, and playing out in Mall Park. So for the most part, I just knew the public school league. My dad didn't really ref in Skeezer. for sure. And so, um, and that's why I asked that parents, question, just trying to you know, yeah. just trying to get you know, get some information. You know, let's go. Yes. So my parents, my parents ended up making a decision to send my brother to Portugal as a seventh grader, and I'm I'm four years younger than him. So then I then I started learning about Skeezer and. And Portugal, my brother had some success here. He 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 was a part of some really good teams here, 
And so um, my mom, my mom and JP, um, they worked together at DSS before I was even born. Sure. And so JP was been a part of my life since I was since I was before I was born, you know, since sure. I was a baby. And so, um, just getting with him and him always just being so uh, being him, you know what I mean? Sure. Likeable and and willing to teach young young kids like myself and have me around as the ball boy and stuff like that. I started learning about the history of Porter Gout and some of the good players. Jared Cochran on the football side, Ovi Mahaley, he was really good to me and my family. Um, sure. Ovi Kess and, and Gabe. Um, and then guys like Jared Cochran and Bishop Ravenel and, you know, those type um, kind of started teaching me about how Porter Gow's been. At the time when my brother got there, they had won a state championship. And so my brother was a part of the first state championship team. They did a three-peat. Nice. I caught the tail end of that my eighth grade year. Um, my first year on varsity, I taught, caught the tail end of that and, and won, a, won a state championship. And so I got kind of enamored in that, too. And so, um, yeah, Porter Gow on my side, it just kind of fell in my lap. I really thought I was destined to go to James Island High School. Mm -hmm. I played on James Island Beats team when I was in fifth grade. And right. I was all about orange and blue. Um, but my parents made a decision to put me and my brother in Porter Gow, and I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for it. And ask that question because, you know, the degree of difficulty – Right, you're talking about skis versus public schools, and that's always a, a topic. Like, is it respected because of the skis of the competition? But at the end of the day, you still got to, you still got to put the ball in the hole, right? It doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah. You still got to put the ball in the hole. So, you know, and, and I bring that that question up, that topic up, because um, it's tough as a kid wanting to be with your friends, wanting to be in a public school, thinking that's the degree of difficulty. But going a whole different route is crucial. And, you know, to be honest, you know, you know, Portugal, you know, every player dreams, aspiration playing the next level. Portugal's put more people in the next level, you know, in the last 50 years than any other high, public high school did, you know, in, the, in existence. And if I'm wrong, then someone correct me on that. But I think that's 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 pretty much accurate. So what were did, what were your 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 benefits uh, no, not benefits, because we know the benefits. What were things that you didn't benefit from from going to a, a skis versus a public setting? And I asked that question because, you know, talking to BJ Mackey, you know, and talking to uh, uh, Coach Brown, and we talked about different cultures, right? Different, you know, east side versus west side. And, and, and he said players a lot better on the east side. And I asked, was it because of the 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 meanness was because of the the, the struggle did that in, in, in you know enhance some of that so my question to you is like what were some some non benefits were from going to a, a skeezer versus a public I would say on 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 the athletic side just the basketball side I mean that that sense of community I think um, I mean if you're at a private school it's not necessarily your neighborhood or your your next door neighbor went to that school or all your friends are in walking distance. You know, we spread out. I was, I'm from James Island and my parents lived on Johns Island and you know what I'm saying? And my, sure. my, my, my teammate on Mount Pleasant, my other teammate sure. lived downtown. And so we don't have that sense of like, that's, that's, that's probably the, the biggest difference is that, um, you know, we all from West Ashley, we right. all from downtown for sure. And we're going to load up the whole, the whole downtown blue for Burke. You for know, sure. that's for sure. That's probably the, that's probably the only difference, but I mean the fan base is still still really good at, in the skeezer level. But um, 
I mean that we how we, did you JP, how did you adapt though? Because you know, coming from you know um uh, different cultures, different environments, and you know, experiencing a different environment, like was it a, a, a culture shock? It was a culture shock for me going from Burke High School to the College of Charleston. You know what I mean? I mean, it's to be honest, it was a it was a, a culture shock for me, and I had to adapt, but I didn't I wasn't prepared for that, you know, for, for that that I didn't know how to do it, but I did it. What were some 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 challenges or if they were any that you experienced? It was different. Um, my brother probably had more than I did because he came before me. And so I was around and kind of got familiar with stuff and got my feet wet. For sure. And in all of this before I actually attended the school. But I mean, it, it is different. Like it's uh like I tell parents when um their kid ends up coming to school here, especially minority parents, like you know, it's um it it allows a kid, especially at a young age, to to find themselves and adapt, especially a minority, a minority kid, you mm -hmm. know, whether he's an athlete or not, it's just a different environment. I mean, sure. it's a PWI school. And um the opportunities that most of the kids at Portugal have and the access to um the access that they have is, is great. And so you're able to make connections, but at the time when you're a kid, you're not really thinking like that. But right. I mean, since I've left Portugal, I was super prepared for college in the classroom sure. and, and knowing how to do, um, just being prepared. I mean, the, the, I would say the biggest, the biggest difference, not even culturally, is just the academic rigors. For sure. like it was just heavy heavy on academics um and but that was it, something i wasn't all the way easier. used to it made everything easier once you got into college and that's why i wanted the, yeah. the audience to hear because you know and i talked to jp about you know the, the protocol with a, a, a you know a kid that that uh that wants to come to portugal because you know of uh athletic interests but they still can make the grades it's a sacrifice you got to make you know what i mean like it's, it's not gonna be peaches and cream you're gonna have rigorous academics you're gonna have difficulty with your peers not knowing anybody but the benefits of coming out of that school and being prepared for the, you know the next level it's uh it's just crucial in this timeout message we got michael bowman if you want to get rid of the dog I'm glad to say that you have to get rid of the dog, so I'm the bad guy. But uh, uh, it's one of those things where some people have problems, others don't. Um, sometimes every year there's a huge asthma flare when school starts. And um, some people uh, feel that it's when kids get, wind up uh, rolling around on old gym mats. And uh, also many of the schools around here have lived through hurricanes and have a lot of dust and mold and that sort of thing. And so there are programs nationally to try to help people in schools have asthma-friendly schools. Now let's get back to the interview. Take us back into, you know, some of the high school times where um, you started to get recruited and, you know, who were some schools looking at you and then uh, how did you end up at Mercer? So my first school, my, the first school to send me a letter was uh, was University of South Carolina and Coach Dave Odom. 
So my my that was my eighth grade year. I played varsity in eighth grade and and um kind of was ahead of the curve in that sense. But I played for on a really, really good, strong AAU team mm-hmm. out of this area. We had um it was myself, Milton Jennings, Ben Eblin. Um, ben Eblin ended up going to Alabama and playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyler McDonald ended up going to South Carolina State as a wide receiver and ended up um, being in the NFL for a little for a little while. Um, Ashton Ashton played at Stratford, went to Citadel. Like mm-hmm. we had a, just a talented group, but then we ended up linking up with another group out of uh, Florence with Eric Smith, Alshon Jeffries, mm-hmm. um, Sam Montgomery that played at LSU, then played in the NFL. Justice Cunningham ended up playing at USC played in the NFL for a little while. And so we just was were rich with talent. Mm. Um, RJ Slauson was the youngster on that team. Ended up playing at USC. Um, we just had a lot of talent. We didn't even know how good we were, but we just and and so with that, all of us kind of just fostered all of that talent. And them practices were heavy from day sure. one. Chris Middleton was on that team. KJ Manigault was on that team. For sure. Um, I know I'm missing, I know I'm missing some guys. I haven't thought about it in a while, but sure. you know, it was just all of us sharpened as iron sharpens iron. And so sure. all of us were getting recruited heavy. My first offer was um Presbyterian College going into my sophomore year that summer. Um and so from there my recruiting kind of took off. It was it was ebbs and flows. I uh looking back at it, I didn't prepare myself as best I could physically. I wasn't, I wasn't really lifting. I just thought I could just play ball. I was a skinny little, I was skinny, you mm-hmm. know, and I didn't really um, understand that aspect of it, but I, I competed. And so uh, went to Presbyterian my freshman year, did, had a pretty good season as an individual. We struggled, um, ended up having a assist record, a single season assist record, but um, it just wasn't a good fit. Left there, went to junior college down in Florida um had some really had a really good year down there and was able to get a lot of offers out of there but ended up landing on Mercer it was just a, it was just a, a really good situation mm-hmm. but but why Mercer you know and talking to you know I mean nine out of ten people everybody kind of based the decision based on a coach that they're familiar with you know the atmosphere that they were familiar with it, it was some type of comfortability you know what I'm saying decision um that that made from going to school so why why are all these schools recruiting you why mercer well i'll be honest with you so my freshman year presbyterian i was not um i was not the best version of myself you know i was still uh i carried a lot of stuff that um i was taught by my cousins and different people that i looked up to that wasn't necessarily the right thing but just how i was you know, the man you respect, you know, that that type on, on that type of lines, but I didn't understand you had to give respect to get respect. So I wasn't the best version of myself at Presbyterian. And so after leaving there, I went to Panama City, Florida mm-hmm. for junior college and it was wild. Mm-hmm. Just it was an experience, you know, that's spring break capital of the world. Right. So I had all these colleges and I went on a couple of visits. You know, college is fun, but I knew at that time that I needed to focus. Right. Like it was my ju- I'm going into my junior year. Um, I knew I could play. I just needed two years to show what I could do and hopefully get to the tournament or hopefully get overseas and be able to 
you know what I mean? Live out my dream and be a professional basketball player. Um, so I chose, I chose Mercer. It wasn't the biggest school that I had after me. It wasn't the, the most successful school, but when I was there, the focus level was so high. Mm. The coach was Bob Hoffman, very religious dude, extremely religious, doesn't curse, doesn't drink, um, demanded us to do certain things that gave us parameters, um, of how to live the right way. He right. took it a step further than a lot of college coaches that I was being recruited by. And right. um, just the overall atmosphere of Mercer was just <laughs> school, basketball, and, and Macon was a, a, is a pretty small town. So there wasn't a whole lot to do. And so my thought was, and it was probably the closest one I had to Charleston. Um, my thought process was, man, like, it's time. Right. Ride it out. You put yourself in the best position to uh, succeed for these next two years. And, and I did, I did. We had some really good years and I'm thankful that I ended up choosing that school. Well, let me, let me um, bring a point home right quick. <clears throat> J, JP, you know, I don't know if he had that, that clout back at your time, but the clout now, talk to any college coach in the world. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and I tell him it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be hard for a family that want to come to Portugal, want to play the next level, not to listen to every freaking thing JP says. Like it's impossible. How could you not say what he said doesn't work, right? You idiot if you don't say that, right? right. So my point right. is, here you, a senior, you said you admittedly, you wasn't mentally, physically, conditionally ready to play at a higher level, even though they were, you know, looking at you. Um, and JP probably, probably couldn't have a hand into the decision making because you wasn't marketable, you wasn't marketable, right? Yeah. So the coaches understand today, like parents get on the coaches a lot, but oh my coach didn't do this for me. You're not ready. You're not you're not prepared. A coach can't sell something that's that's not there. And and, and I want to make sure like that the audience understands like as a as a coach, when you come in as a freshman, we only working with what your your family brought to us. Whatever you did from sixth to eighth grade, that's on you. And if you're not ready at that time to play, we don't, at a ninth grade level, it's no time for getting you ready to play. It's, it's, it's go time. So I just wanted the audience to understand what you just said. Like, even though you made it out, you still had to work, your, your work ethic made it out, but you wasn't ready to be recruited when you wanted to be recruited at that time. Yeah, I, I was, I was, I mean, I was, I was immature and I didn't really know how the process went. And I think we were, our group, we had three guys um, that graduated, myself, Chris Middleton, and uh, Jamal Curry. Jamal went to Radford, Chris went to Texas A&M, and I, went, I ended up going to Presbyterian. And so that was probably, that was definitely JP's first time having three Division One guys, mm. and Porter Guy's first time having three Division One guys at the same time mm. on the mm. basketball team. And so with that, JP's taking calls for me, he's taking calls for Chris, taking calls for uh, Jamal. He's trying to make sure that we land, we land good. And he, he, I, I've never talked to him about this, but I'm sure he learned a lot from that. Just like sure. I learned a lot from that. For sure. Because my second sure. time getting recruited out of junior college, I handled it completely different. For sure. Completely different. And so, um, so yeah, that was a that was a learn. There was a huge learning curve with that because I mean, even. Like we people weren't getting recruited out of one school like that. No. Um, I mean, maybe North Charleston when they had that when they were loaded. Especially Noskiza, especially Noskiza. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, we you just guys, you guys break, you guys break the mold. You know what I mean? You guys break the mold. 
And um, so, you know, in closing on that, on that topic, players, you have to give your coaches something to work with. I mean, you, you have to. So, you know, you went to Mercer. Um, what was your numbers like in Mercer? And after you started turning around, did you, uh, did you play at the next level? Did you play overseas? How did, did you have an agent? Take us back to how, the, how those things happened. That's a good question, man. So Mercer, Mercer, we when I when I got the Mercer, and I'm not saying it's all just me. When I got the Mercer, it was uh, there were we were five, there were 500 just on that line the last three years, and so the coach made this pitch to me. You know how recruiting is, like, hey, see, you can do this, this, and this, and feeling like this, and so we had two seven footers. We had a point guard that was pretty solid, really, really solid. I shouldn't say pretty solid. He was really solid. Um, I was a combo, and we just had size. For, for a mid-major school, we had a lot of size. And so I filled into a role where I could just be up and and I could play my game smoothly. I could hook guys up when I needed four points when I needed to. So in both of those years, my first year, I probably averaged like nine points right at 10. Then my second year, I was the team leading scorer. And we took down some big-time teams, went to the NIT. Um, and I had some really good games. Um, and that's where I really learned. I became a man and make it. Mm. with that coach because he didn't he didn't make me he he didn't allow me to get away with some of the stuff that I was used to and that's not even just saying like my other coaches before that weren't any good but his expectation of how he wanted his team to act sure. and be on an everyday basis like I say he, he's a heavy he's heavy on his morals um he made me have to look at myself in the mirror and I I got I in some I got in some um some issues there when I first got there along the same lines, but I was changing and that was the most growth that I had. Sure. And also that was the first time that I went somewhere where I didn't know anybody. When I went to Presbyterian, my best friend who's mm -hmm. from the E was already there playing football. Mm -hmm. And so we just carried on like that. Sure. Then when I went to Florida, one of my friends from AAU was already down there, but this time I had to go to Macon and I had to create myself. Who is mm -hmm. Travis Smith? Mm -hmm. How do I want to be perceived? And, and stuff like that. And that's one point that I always make the kids that I deal with. The first, the first thing that you got to figure out is who, who am I? Mm. Know thyself. Mm. So anyway, after, after that, that's, had those two really good years at Mercer. Um, then we get into professional basketball. So I, I, my, my coach, my college coach, who at that time, me and him had a great, really, really good relationship. He um, advised me to agent that I should try. And now at this time, I didn't know anything about agents. I talked to JP. He kind of knew some, but right. didn't really know much about agents. And, you know, Chris was already in the league, but he was on a different level than me agent-wise. So I uh, so I go with the guy that my coach told me to. Now I'm thinking that, all right, he's just going to – I didn't sign no contracts or nothing. I'm just thinking, like, yeah, he's going to call me, and I'm just, just going to tell me where to go. And so I'm working out, and I'm still in making, and I'm just, you know – and time's passing, and now it's about August, and I'm hearing people getting ready to go overseas. I called a man, and he's like, hey, man, we never signed a contract, you know, this whole summer. Um, we had a lot of division in my agency. My main partner, he left, and we just been trying to grab grab agents, I mean, grab our, grab our clients, and you kind of fell through the cracks. I'm sorry. Mm. <laughs> so I'm looking at the phone like, like, man, so what, what am I supposed to do now? Right, right. You know? So uh I ended up I ended up going on this USA basketball trip. USA they uh what is it called? 
It was one of these uh pro ams. It was something? like a kind of sort. It was like a a group of guys in the United States goes and plays in a different country and just kind of goes around. You kind of shop yourself a little bit. But I got gotcha. I was able to get fund. I was able to get funding for that um, sponsored for that. So we went to China. And so I went to China and I, I played for like a month over there and did pretty good. Got done, had a couple teams interested, but nothing shook. Right. Hey, what's up, guys? Check this out. If you're coming into the Charleston area or maybe leaving at the Charleston area and you want to avoid long lines and be greeted by friendly, sweet people, Go check out Mark over at Avis and Budget Car Rental at 7685 Northwoods Boulevard. When you go see Mark and you mention Triple Threat Podcast, you receive 30% discount on your rental. They also offer compact to large SUVs and vans to rent with quick, easy transaction. And check us out and limited mileage on most rentals. So give Mark a call at 843-572-3190. Don't forget to mention Triple Threat Podcast. So then I actually ended up back to Charleston for a little while, and that's when me and you were coaching together for a little minute. For sure. And um, working with you some, and just, again, becoming a man and really realizing I have responsibilities and, you know, I got to do stuff on, for myself. And so I ended up reaching back to my college coach, getting, getting my game film and I cut up all my game film <clears throat> and just started sending it out every Wednesday. I would just send it out to people and my numbers were good. Everything was good with my game. I just didn't have anybody representing in that. I didn't have any representation. And so literally just sending out film to anybody that had anything to do with uh, basketball every Wednesday for about five hours. Right. And so this dude overseas in Germany, he liked my stuff and he, he gave me a chance. And so then that, that started my pro career. I didn't have an agent when I first went over there, signed my own contract and and uh, was in Berlin, Germany, and had a, had a good season. But I was, that's how I got overseas. For sure. So what were some of the, you know, uh, you know, the culture, the food, um, you know, people talk about, yeah, overseas is good, but I'm pretty sure you're missing home, you're missing family. Yeah. It's a lot of sacrifices. Um, what were some some challenges for you? Was it was it language? Was it food, culture? Um, give me give us a little experience, you know, about that. It was, pre- it was pretty much all of the above, man. Like, I landed, <laughs> my mama was crying. We had a big cookout on James Island when I left. Everybody was really happy. So I didn't know what I was getting myself into, but landed in Germany and I wasn't scared until I got off that plane or nervous I should say I wasn't nervous until I got off that plane got off that plane and hearing this language you can hear me yeah I can hear you Go ahead. Hello? okay um and hearing a language everywhere that I never seen words that I never seen before and I'm in the middle of the airport with my uh with my bags <laughs> just looking for looking for this dude, the general manager. So I got the sign with my name on it and getting a call with him. And I'm just like, man, I can't believe I'm over here, you know? And so we riding through and just 
the only thing that felt the only thing that felt natural over there for a while was just whenever we were at practice or shoot mm. around or games. Mm. And so I that was that was another another big moment in my life where I got to know myself again. I was a stranger and I was a stranger to everybody and everything was new and all right, so who is Travis Smith? Who who are you? Right. You know, and I did did a whole lot of reading over there. Mm. You know, after a while you get tired of playing video games and get tired of playing um watching TV and Netflix and all that. So I just read a lot of different books and um how many years did you play over there? I played two seasons, two full seasons over there. I ended up getting hurt and ended up um just staying in Charleston after I got hurt after my second year. Gotcha. But yeah, like uh food's cool. You can find something that you're gonna like to eat. Language you start to grow with that. Um, but holiday season, Thanksgiving, Christmas, <laughs> New slow. Year, that that time, you can't, yeah, you can't. Is that was that was always tough for them right. two years, you know. So and you mentioned, yeah, yeah and I, I remember during that time as well. I think when you probably came back, I probably um probably I left Portugal, but you know, mm-hmm. what I what I learned about at Portugal and JP was just the, you know, the the poise, the poise in his approach and his his expectations, you know, the the junkyard dog and making kids earn their keep. You know what I'm saying? Like that was that was that was major. And one thing I, I liked about him, like I never saw, you know, he's a big man, but he didn't use his 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 stature, you know what I'm saying, for 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 uh, intimidation. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's almost a, a oxymoron where he can be that big of a man and, and still speak lightly and in, in, in be respected. And I learned a lot from him in the extent that I was there. Um, what changes have you seen since, uh, you know, your time there to now? Um, do, is the, is the, is the, the, the great success contributed to the talent or the system? That's another good question, man. Because you got Josiah, um, you got Aaron. I mean, yeah. you guys are pumping. You got pumping these things. You pumping them out. Like, well, what's the, what's what's the, what's the the credit to that? I think um, starting with Coach Clark, who was the coach that won the first three state championships, and JP kind of learned under Coach Randy Clark, um, and then JP taking the reins and having that continuity of that program, and having guys willing to come back. Um, that helps a whole lot because I learned from some of those names that I told you from sure. before me, Chris, me, Chris and um, Jamal learned from them. And we were able to elevate ourselves. Chris got in the NBA. I got overseas. Jamal played overseas for a little while. Sure. And then we were able to catch Aaron, Jake, Josiah as ninth graders. Mm. No, we coached Aaron as an eighth grader on JV. I remember. Yeah. You know, and so we were able to dump the knowledge that we got from the guys before us. And the knowledge of Chris working out with NBA guys and being at the NBA level, me going overseas and working out with those guys and dumping that into eighth, ninth, eighth and ninth graders, wow. you know, wow. and teaching them how to work. And, and now the, the stuff that I'm saying that I didn't figure out um, in college about getting my body right mm. and like, you know, lifting weights and how to, how to start eating right and how to approach different coaching styles mm. and, and um, how to be, uh, a student athlete, mm. how to deal with with stuff off the court and on the court, adversity, fans, all that stuff. We just pumping them with that knowledge, mm. you know, and they soak they soaked it up to the utmost. Right, 
Right. And I think that's a huge reason why those guys are so successful. But then you got JP, who is over all of it. And like you said, he, like, if you have a conversation with JP, he, especially, especially when you're a kid and you're, you're confused or in, in that, in that state of just not knowing, whether it be basketball or on the, off the court, he gives you so much clarity. For sure. And he, he, he doesn't never, he really doesn't ever tell you what to do exactly. He, he gives you, he paints you a picture and lets you, and lets you fill in the blanks. For sure. You know what I mean? And For and sure. that's, that's one of the biggest reasons why I came back and coached with them. Like I said, when I was overseas after that second year, I had a chance to go back over. I messed up my ankle real bad and was, was rehabbing. And then that summer, I helped JP out with team camp. He got me in the gym working with them kids and I just fell in love with it. For sure. For sure. And he gave me so much, he gave me so much room just as a player. He gave me room. He gave me so much room as a coach to figure out my identity and what worked and, and allowed me to make mistakes and, For sure. and taught me from those mistakes and how to deal with parents and how to, how to, how to deal with administration, how to tell kids about Porter Gout, how to, you know, all sure. of the stuff. He always gave me a. He always gave me room for me to be myself and not really make me be what he thought I should be. Right. You know. And I. I. I mean. That's I love. Great, I love. That's a great leader. That. That's that's what you call yeah. a great leader. You know. And like you say, <clears throat> never put you in the box. Even talking to him, you gotta let kids make mistakes and correct their mistakes because if you don't let them make mistakes, how do you know? You, you know, I mean, you might be, you know, hindering them from 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 being successful or hindering them from reaching a reaching a different level. And um, that's, that's awesome that he, he implemented that to his, his uh, coaches and players. Um, I know you got a your organization um, that you, you started working with. Uh, from all the coaches in, in the time you spent around the sport, um, what are some key things that you learned and how did you, how do you implement them in, into dealing with kids through your organization? Through your organization? And tell us a little bit about you know, uh, that mission. So the 2020 Youth Organization is a nonprofit organization that uh, myself, Trey McLean, and Alonzo Simmons um, started last, or, excuse me, about a year ago. Um, we saw kind of a, a, a problem that we could probably fix in our area. And this goes back, our, our initial, Trey and our initial conversation was like, man, you remember how good midnight basketball used to be? And so we kind of wanted to bring back that vibe of getting the best youngsters to play against each other and really go hard and learn what it is to compete and compete at a high level and get that, that atmosphere going in the summer. And so from that, this nonprofit grew into being able to cover a whole lot of things for uh, student athletes. So our big, our biggest program is our basketball summer league. Um, it's going to be from the first Thursday in May all the way to the last Thursday in July. And so every Thursday, we're going to have games at, North, at the new North Charleston Rec Center. In this time up message, we got Eric Watson. Historically, when going to law enforcement, uh, that was never my ambition. Never my, my goal in life to be a, a cop. I didn't want anything. I, I didn't want to be associated with law. Uh, why? Because everything I saw back back then 
uh, was negative. Negative aspect, and every time I see a uniform uh, police officer uh, in, the, in the neighborhood, uh, it's always something bad. It's nothing, it's never anything good. Uh, the only interaction with us is where you're going, who you are, where you're from, uh, get on the walls and catch you down. Right. That kind of thing. So, so there was nothing positive about me even wanting to get involved in, uh, in that kind of curriculum. Um, you know, so, uh, so I had a pivotal moment. I, uh, one, one summer, uh, I was just after got to play basketball um, on Dallas Street Park. Uh, two cops uh, came on, on the block and uh, tried to engage us, uh, me and a, young, a bunch of younger guys, uh, with conversation. That was something that has, has never happened to us. Nonetheless, it was, was, it was harmless. Mm. Um, so, but this is a time when, uh, when the NWA came out with, uh, <laughs> uh, with Easy A, with, you know, they the police and that right. kind of stuff. So, right. uh, they came on a block and, uh, we, a friend went inside the house and up his bedroom window, uh, and started playing, started playing the, the, the rap music, the rap song. Right. And, uh, obviously that, that kind of teed off. For sure. So, uh, we all started laughing and, you know, falling on the ground. And we knew it was just, you know, agonizing. Now, let's get back to the interview. Um, we have three different divisions. So we have the rising... We have the rising, uh, rising sixth and seventh grade division. Then we have rising eighth and rising ninth grade division. Those are the two boys' divisions. And for girls, we have rising seventh, eighth, and ninth grade. Um, there's going to be six teams in there, so but we'll we'll be able to serve um, 216 kids. That's awesome. Our our goal is to get the best kids in the area and some of the best coaches in the area to coach them up every Thursday. So if they do want to play AAU and, and travel ball, they can. We don't want to get in the way of that, but we're saying that we can offer a product that's cheaper and you get more out of, right? Sure. So we're only charging a $25 participation fee. We're going to give the kids uniforms. We're going to give the kids, um, we're going to feed the kids. And then the biggest part of this is we're going to do an enlightenment program. We partner with an organization called R3, Eastside 2, um, uh, Eric, Eric Jackson, big mm -hmm. Eric Jackson, um, senior. And Laundry Matters is helping out um, with our enlightenment program. So pretty much we'll have speakers come in, talk to the kids. And the main thing that we want to get across to these kids is by the time they leave our program this summer, you know about ACT, SAT. You know about your core classes and what it, what it takes to be eligible to receive a scholarship and accept that scholarship and go to college. Um, we want to give them... Uh, different avenues other than sports and introduce them to uh, other professionals and um, engineers, lawyers, doctors, um, and, and people with trades. We want to offer the whole gamut to them. But I know for me and Trey, um, most people listen to us when we start talking about basketball, especially kids. And so if we could use basketball as a vehicle to get these kids serious about what's going on in the classroom, even if they don't go division one, division two, II, division three, they at least position themselves to potentially get a grant or be able to get some kind of academic money to go to college. For sure. Our whole goal is to get kids in college for free or as close to free as we can. 
And so off of that idea of trying to help out with the summer ball and make make the summer make the summer experience for our kids in the low country more efficient, cost efficient, and not having to travel all over the place, uh, this organization grew. And so we we do we have an annual book back to school drive where we give away school supplies, book bags, and stuff like that to the families in need. We just launched a tutoring program at Zucker Middle, where we have capacity for 10, 10 students to be tutored virtually for free. And we want to start slowly expanding that program. We do our, our coat drive um, annually now. And that's going to be um, the first weekend in December, where we give away um, coats, jackets, blankets, and uh, winter hats to uh, families in need. And then um, we are, we're beginning to launch our... Uh, our uh, our fitness initiative. So we have capacity for four student athletes right now um, to be able to get sponsored so that they can work out with a high level trainer um, throughout the Charleston area. So our, our organization is growing and we're trying to do the whole gamut where we're just not focusing on sports, but we're teaching these kids through the vehicle of sports and keeping it cost efficient, if not free, pretty much as close to free as we can with um, great Spartan sponsorships and great partners. That's awesome. That's awesome, bro. We, um, we just talked to the NCAA eligibility center day foundation. We're doing some things with NCAA. So, you know, once we get off, I love to talk to you more about it and see how we can get the NCAA to come down and give information as well. We'd love to hear that. Um, so the, you know, moving up right along, what's your, um, as a coach and a player, What's your overall philosophy um, of, of, of coaching, per se? Or, or what would you tell kids um, that they need to focus on? Give me three things that a kid need to focus on in order to, to be successful in this, in, this, in, this, uh, in this industry. First and foremost is defense. Um, if you can't guard your position, it's going to be hard for you to get on the floor. If you could guard multiple positions, it's going to be hard for people to take you, a coach to take you off the floor. Nice. So defensively, you, there should be no off night. You should be able to lock up on ball and then be in position to help at all times. That's my biggest thing. That's the thing that I teach more so than anything. Um, after that, it's just having that heart, hustle, and willingness to win. We call it JYD at Portugal. We, we want we want our kids to be junkyard dogs. So that's 50-50 balls, that's taking charges, that's getting on the floor. Anything that you can do to put your team in a situation to win, you need to do that. And with that comes um, with stuff off the court, of course, handling your business and, and being respectful. But on the court, you really got to take care of everything that you need to take care of. You can make it, if you can get in the way, even if it'll hurt you a little bit, get in the way, get that deflection, get that steal. And then the last thing offensively is, is, is ball security, mm. right? Being able to, to make a pass without it getting deflected over and over and over again, knowing how to draw help. Scoring will come. That's something that you could work on, but being secure with the ball and making the right play on a consistent basis. Those are the three things that I, that I preach the most um, nice. in pr pretty much in that order. Nice. Nice. He made a name for himself as a star for the College of Charleston basketball teams in the mid to late 90s. And now 
Jermel President is doing what he can to make sure that the Charleston area kids have a chance to succeed on the court and in life. So I want to, you know, give some of that back to the community as well. Um, after college and after playing professionally, uh, I started the Day Foundation just to, to be that wealth of knowledge to the kids in the community and, and parents as well. College of Charleston Hall of Famer Jamel President said he saw a need for this while he was in school. So he founded the nonprofit Day Foundation. And his philosophy for success is based on what he calls his oatmeal recipe. Let's go and finish together. Basically, teaches the game of basketball. Focusing on skills, development, nutrition, and education. Not only SAT, ACT type stuff, but education for parents in how to navigate through the different levels of athletics. You know, in, in closing, uh, Trav, we, we created something called the Oatmeal Recipe, um, yeah. which is uh, a skill development, uh, nutrition, and education. And um, I'm going to get your feedback on those three things and, uh, you know, start off with you know, education, um, and there's, there's no one in, you know, rhyme or reason or order in this, in this thing, they're all three um, uh, important uh, elements. In education, um, what's, what's your feedback on how important education is, not just from the sport, but in life as well? I think if, if I was more informed, like we just talked about, like, hey, like you just stated earlier, had you been more informed in the sport, knowing how to how, and how to be an athlete, deal with uh, coaches, different style of play. I think you know we could have, you, well, everybody could have uh, enhanced their career a little longer. So, how important is education? And how do you apply to your everyday life? Yeah, education is key. Um, I would say one big reason why I'm at Porter Guy and believe in Porter Guy is because of the high academic rigors. Um, now, beyond the classroom, <clears throat> when it comes to your craft, I don't care if you're a musician or an engineer, a, a basketball player, a football player, you have to educate yourself on the craft, on your craft, the history of your craft, um, the greats in your craft, and you have to study yourself and, and what's going on and be prepared um, for what's next. Um, so in, in my opinion, education is education is huge. That's the cornerstone of everything. And, and you know, it's cliche to say, but it's the truth. At some time, at, at some point in life, the ball gonna stop bouncing. For sure. You know, so you gotta have something else to 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 fall back on, and that's gonna be your education. Um, if you don't, if you if you're not educated, it's gonna be tough for you to maneuver. Or if you don't have a skill or learn some kind of craft, it's gonna be tough for you um, in life. And and you made it a segue to the, the other topic is the skill development part. Um, no matter in sport or in life, you can be educated, but you still gotta be able to apply that type of yeah. skill. Um, and basketball skills are very important in life and the personal skills are very important. Skills are always important. Um, give me your, your take on it and how do you apply it to your everyday life? Uh, I'll, I'll cover uh, sports first. Every offseason, you should get better at something. And that starts with looking at yourself in the mirror or having some people that are being honest with you. They say, hey, your left hand is not where it needs to be. Mm. So you should not come back every season as the same player. And I tell and I tell my, my players in the offseason every year, or in the preseason, I should say, that the worst feeling in the season is going is being in the middle of the season and realizing that you did not prepare the right way in the offseason. Mm. Mm. So if you're in season and you still getting tired, first game, second game, midway through the season, end of the season, 
you got some work to do in the off season. Right. right. So um, that piece, like you got to constantly be hungry to get better and accept criticism. Now, I don't expect nobody to just yell at you and tell you that you that you're the worst player ever. But if somebody is telling you something that you need to fix, do not be defensive. Look at look at the man in the mirror. Be real enough with yourself to say, yeah, you know what? Like, shoot, I can't get to the bucket like that. For sure. I need to figure out different ways to score around the rim. For sure. You know? And so, uh, and with that, in a, in a personal level, it's, it's all about growth. That never stops. Right. You know what I mean? I'm I'm trying to grow every day. I read books and I read books and I try to see what, what my weaknesses are as a, as a person, yeah. you know, and what my strengths are as a person. And I try to enhance Hence all of them. Nobody's ever going to be perfect, but that's an ongoing thing, For you sure. know, um, to just get better at your craft, be a better communicator, be a better, uh, be a better person in general. Try to try to win that day and be better. Excuse me, every day you gonna make mistakes. Just don't make the same mistake over and over again. But whatever it is that you want to be or do, learn about it. And try it. Don't be afraid to fail, and that that comes with skill development. Sometimes you're gonna fail. Sure. It's gonna happen. But you gotta you gotta be you gotta be confident enough in yourself to to be able to fail, learn from that failure, and turn it into a success. For sure. And uh, lastly, is is nutrition. You know, when I go to these, you know, travel team tournaments and. These guys walking around with Skittles and soda and McDonald's <laughs> bag, and you know what I mean. The first thing I look at is the organization. You know what I'm saying? I don't look yeah. at the kid because if that kid was playing for this organization, this organization knowing the importance of that kid wouldn't be doing that. You know, and right. secondly, too, I don't like to see a Mercedes Benz, you know, at a Burger King. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> putting three, four hundred dollars, <laughs> but you putting a dollar in your body it doesn't doesn't make sense. Yeah. What's your take on that? No, I agree with you. I mean, it's like, them kids, they take a while for them kids to understand that. But as you get older, you start to feel it. I turned 30 in April and shoot, I'm getting the, when, when, when you put, if you put bad stuff into your body, it's going, it's going, uh, you are what you eat pretty sure. much. You know what I mean? That's your fuel. And so with, with, with our kids, we try to dang tell them early on, kids still going to eat a little bad from time to time, but especially during the season and when you're working out, you got to feed yourself the right stuff. Um, I was I was real bad with it. Like I told you in high school, shoot, I eat chili cheese dogs before the game. Oh man, especially in AAU, yeah, bro, just be gassed up the whole game. Wow. <laughs> or be at, be at midnight eating cheeseburgers before we get on the court, stuff like that. So I mean, <clears throat> that's a that's a thing that took me a while to learn and to really be uh, receptive of. Mm-hmm. You know, everything that you do, your body's a temple. You know, my dad always used to tell me that, and I never really used to get what he was saying, but your body really is a temple, and you gotta take care of it. What you put in your body will come out, um, and, and it either could be fuel or it could be something that hinders you and holds you back. So, right, right. Yeah, you head on with that, man. You That's that's an important, you gonna make me, you gonna make me reach back and start um, driving that, that point home, because I kind of got away from that. You gotta, you gotta look you gotta at what you put in your body. Think about it from this standpoint, just getting more in depth with that, right? What's the main ingredient in alcohol? Sugar. It, uh, yeah, sugar. Okay, so overconsumption of sugar gets you what? Intoxicated. Uh, yeah. Right? So check this out. If you're an athlete, and Earl Grant talked about fast twitch muscles, be able to think and impulsively think. If you think about something, 
and 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 if I'm not mistaken, the blood is the carrier of your message, of your thoughts, right? It, it, it transport that. So if if your blood is thick because of the glucose, mm -hmm. your message is going to be slow getting to your brain. Your message yeah. is going to be slow for your reproduction of your body. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because everything is slow. So if as an athlete, if you're not eating healthy, you're not thinking healthy, you're not thinking fast, because you got the glucose, the sodas, the sugars in your body that's slowing up your thought process, which causes a headache after a while. Because like a car, you don't put you know, all change, you don't do it right. You, you, you know what I'm saying? You have you have problems. So same thing with your right. body. So yeah, that's very that's very important. It's very it's very indicative. Not the longevity of it. You made a good point about in the mid season if you feel like you're tired, it's because you're already exhausted out your your, your workout period that you didn't do in the, in the preseason. Right. Mm -hmm. If you worked out the way you supposed to work out, you don't get tired until the end of the season. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, your body is very important, man. To your to 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 man, I gotta start calling you again, man. I forgot about <laughs> these talks. I haven't talked to you in a while, man. We gotta we for gotta sure. start. Yeah, we gotta get back to talking. For sure, for yeah, sure. You always drop knowledge for sure. For sure. But sure. try, man. I appreciate you coming along, man. This you know, all this gonna appreciate it. And you know, I, I really appreciate you for doing what you do in the community. And um, also giving back and putting that the organization in the in the in the earth, man. That's that's uh that's real crucial for the the kids coming up. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, man. For sure, for sure. All right, we get with you, big guy. Thanks. All right. All right. Bye. So there it goes, guys. Another one in the books. Uh, talking to Travis Smith about uh, his trials and tribulations of being a student athlete. Um, a great conversation. A great guy. So remember to check out his organization, 2020 League, that's coming uh, this summer. Coming up on next, uh, we got Michael Bowman. Um, you talk about asthma and athletes. Also, um, you know, his career coming up uh, at Medical University and the things he's he's done in the community and also what he's doing in the community as well. So uh, stay tuned as we get into the interview. We'll be right back. What Jermel is doing with Today Foundation and the approach he's taking to help develop young athletes, first of all, getting them prepared from the academic standpoint, which, as you know as well as I do, Bobby, that's the most important element to try to get them to eat healthy, to be able to train properly, to get the proper education, and then hopefully for those who are talented enough to have a chance to move on to perhaps even get a free education by going off to college. But I love what Jermel is doing. It's a wonderful program. Hopefully more people in the community will get behind it and some of the businesses involved as well to help sponsor this program. Because these are the kind of things that every community needs. Looking out for the best interest of a youth. The future of this country is in our youth. And everything that we can do to help prepare them better for that is absolutely wonderful. And, and I can't express adequately enough my admiration and respect for what Jermel is doing and hopefully he'll get a lot of help from a lot of people. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Jamel President and on Twitter at President Jamel. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast as I'll be bringing you a new interview every month. Thank you.